y'all doing this morning? Good, good. Listen, I am excited to be uh, before you. Always uh, counted a real honor and privilege to stand before my church. I love this place. Anybody just love a piff? Man, I love this place. I do. I do. I love it. Paul says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, you don't have to turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says uh, that this is the church of the living God, the pillar ground in truth. Right? This is the foundation of truth, and so I love this place. So I'm here before you today uh, giving Pastor E a rest. And man, we, he's been going hard in 1 Corinthians, and uh, we want him to be around for a while, so we're going to give him a rest today. I, I don't know about you, but I want to see him at 65, 70, 75, preaching the Word of God. Hey, man, can you imagine him with the towel hanging out in the back, <laughs> walking like this, talking about Pladowski and all that? That's going to be... That's going to be amazing. I'm just telling you. We got to move from audio in the sermon to video in the sermons at that time. Amen. But thank God for Pastor E, my spiritual pops. I love that guy. Um, learning so much from him and uh, just so humbled uh, by who he is and how he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus, and I just appreciate him for that. All right, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. That's where we'll spend our time today. 1 Kings chapter 17. If you don't mind, stand uh, with us. If you don't have a Bible, there is, uh, the scriptures are on the uh, projectors. First Kings 17. We'll be in verses 8 through 16. Y'all know how we'll do. I'll start and then y'all just jump in. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Man, you may be seated. I want to uh, preach from the topic of, um, of obedience, faith, and provision. Obedient, obedience, faith, and provision. Somebody say obedience. obedience. Say faith. faith. And, provision. and provision. Let's pray. Father, uh, Father, we come to you now uh, in desperate need of your Holy Spirit's working that spirit that rose Christ from the dead, that spirit that hovered over the waters. We need that spirit today. Uh, pray that you would give us clarity 
of what you're saying to us. We pray that you would soften our hearts and open our ears. Uh, Father, so we lean desperately on you, uh, and we're dependent upon you moving. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. If, if, if my grandmother was here, she, she would have tagged this text, uh, just God will provide. Just God will provide. And so today, we will be talking about the provision of God. A provision of God. And so all throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, you'll see where men try to understand the characteristics of God, and they did that by naming him things. And so you'll see uh, them name him Jehovah Shiloh, right? It means he's the Lord of peace. Or we'll see him be called Jehovah Sitkenu, which means the Lord God of our righteousness. We'll see him be called uh, Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord heals. The one I want to zoom us in on today is the one that Abraham uh, said in Genesis 22 when he took his son Isaac to be sacrificed. And the scripture slows down. You see this picture of, of Abraham lifting up the knife and then the angel calling out, no, 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 don't do it. And then he looks over and sees a ram stuck in the thicket. And so when he, after he sacrificed the ram, he named that place Jehovah Jireh. Right? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God that provides. So we're in a passage today where provision is taking place, and it's taking place through a miracle. Now, I love miracles because in miracles any, in the Bible and just in our lives, miracle, miracles can only take place right, when we have came to our wit's end. Right? We, we're, we've exhausted all avenues. There's nothing else we can add. That is grounds for a miracle, and some of you are in that place right now. Some of you are in the place where there's nothing left for you to do. That is grounds for a miracle. And so all throughout scriptures, we see miracles taking place, but miracles never happen because we're so valuable or or because we're so significant. Miracles take place so that God can get the glory. Please understand God is always after his glory, always after his glory. So even Jesus, when we see Jesus Um, healing people, it's for him to fulfill scripture, right? And it's for God to get the glory. And so we see that John 20, he says that the miracles recorded in this book are for the purpose that they may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is what miracles are for. And think about this. It's never because we're significant. What did the men in the Bible that got healed by Jesus actually do? What did they do great after he healed them? Nothing. Think about the 10 lepers. He healed him. We don't hear anything else about him. Or, or we, what about the, the man with the withered hand that the Lord restored his hand? He didn't contribute to the canon. He didn't write scripture. And what, what about the deaf man that, that was mute? He, the Lord didn't loose his tongue so that he could preach the gospel or, or proclaim or even plant a church. He didn't do any of that according to the scripture. What about Lazarus? Think about Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead to die again. He's not, he's not here now. He didn't live forever. Scripture tells us he was at one feast, reclining at the table. That's all we hear. Nothing else. And so miracles point to the glory of God. That is what miracles point to. And so today we're at a passage where, uh, where the prophet of Israel, Elijah, has found himself in a predicament where he is now hiding at a brook of Kareth. The reason he's hiding is because he goes to the king of Israel, King Ahab. Now, please understand something. 
King Ahab is one of the most evil kings that Israel has ever had. King Ahab marries Jezebel. Jezebel worships Baal. So in other words, King Ahab had influence over Israel as the king, and he had Israel, God's chosen people, worshiping Baal. Now, Baal worship, the worship of Baal, Baal is a fertility god or a god that makes it rain. I'm not talking about this kind of rain. I'm talking about actual rain. It's the God that makes it rain. So this is powerful that the the prophet Elijah goes to the king and the God that they're worshiping, God is flexing his muscles because he's saying, I'm going to shut the heavens up. It's going to be no more rain. No more rain. And so now he's hiding in a brook and the Lord has commanded ravens to feed him. Right before what we read, ravens are feeding him. Now, this is great because ravens are carnivores. They're meat-eating birds. And ravens are feeding him every morning and every evening with stuff that they needed to sustain themselves. But God commanded the ravens to feed the prophet. But the brook at Kareth, the water dries up, the scripture tells us. And so what do you do when what was sustaining you was no longer sustaining you? And so now the prophet is, he, he's, the many commentators will say he's dying of thirst, he's thirsty, the brook has dried up, but he's doing something so great. Look at verse number eight. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This is great because he is now desperate for God to come through. And God comes through, but he comes through with a word. And if provision is ever going to take place in your life, you have to get a word from the Lord. You have to get a word from the Lord. And we're so, we're, we're, we're so desperate for God to move. We'll move outside of what the Lord is telling us to do, and we won't wait. But Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40 tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall, right? Shall. I have to say shall because King James sounds better on that verse. <laughs> shall, right? So, that is where we are. This is, he's now in a brook. He's thirsty. Ravens are feeding him. The, the Lord speaks to him and gives him a word. And what happens is genu, genuine faith, right? Genuine faith waits for God to reveal, reveal his plan. That's what genuine faith does. And so verse number nine, he says, arise, go to Zarephath. Now, this is great because when he finally does get a word from the Lord, he tells him to go to Zarephath. Now, this is the prophet of Israel. And the Lord told him to go to a Gentile nation. Think about this. This is a prophet of Israel, and he's now going to a Gentile nation. What do you do when the Lord tells you to do something that makes absolutely no sense? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Go to Zarephath? Doesn't make any sense. But what do you do when you're in that place where, where God tells you so he calls you to something that's completely out of your league. Something that you just, you just cannot do if the Lord is not with you. The Lord calls him to Zarephath. I'll never forget when the Lord called us to, um, to church plant. Not just church plant in Brooklyn, but church plant in the inner city. An urban inner city. I love the inner city. But when he called us, we were living in the burbs. Right? We were living by God's grace. We were living in a four-bedroom house, a two-car garage. I mean, it was, a, it was a safe neighborhood. There was times where I left my iPad sitting on the back seat of my car with my doors unlocked, and I'd come in there and still be there. Now, I dare you to try that here. 
Try that here and it won't be there. Your window will be messed up. But the Lord called us to something that didn't make sense to us. And so what do you do when you're in that place and he calls you to something? And real faith waits on God. And what real faith does is it has no regard for consequence. The Lord called me. I don't care what happens. This is stuff. The Lord has called you. This same thing that happens with Noah. Noah didn't know what rain was. The Lord called him to build an ark. He starts to build it just like that. Same thing with, with, with the story we just talked about with Abraham and Isaac. The Lord called him to sacrifice his son. That doesn't make sense, but he does it. He's, he obeys. And so some of you, your struggle is not lack of provision. Your struggle is a lack of obedience. You don't want to obey. And the Lord told him to go to Zarephath. Not just Zarephath, but look what it says. Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. This is interesting. He has to be obedient to go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. And many of us need to learn what obedience is. Even our Lord learned it. Jesus learned it. Hebrews 5.8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Yeah. Right? And so he tells him to go to Zarephath of Sidon. Sidon is, this is, this is crazy because Sidon is literally under a curse. And the reason is, if you think back to Genesis 9, where, where, Mos, where Noah, Moses, wow, where Noah was planted a vineyard after he came off the boat. Now, we got to give him a pass. We got to give him a pass because you try to spend months on a boat with just family, you're going to need a drink too. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just saying. But he's now planted a vineyard and he gets drunk. And the scripture says that Shem and Japheth walk in backwards so that they won't uncover his nakedness. But Ham doesn't do that. And so when he, when he awakes from his drunkenness, he curses Ham, but he says, cursed is Canaan, your son. Y'all remember that? Cursed is Canaan. Canaan's firstborn son was Sidon. And so this is a crazy, ridiculous call from the Lord to go to Zarephath of Sidon. Let's keep moving, though. Verse number nine. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to feed you. This is, this is wild. He commands a widow. Now, in ancient times, if, if there was a famine, widows were the first ones to die off. The first ones to die off. Because what was sustaining them, their support has already died. Their husbands has already died. So they have, they're the poorest of poor. Yet God tells him to go not just, not just to a widow. This is amazing. But a Gentile widow. So this is now the prophet of Israel. And the Lord commands him to go be sustained by a Gentile woman. Which shows and points to the grace of of our God. Because even Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 4. He says, certainly there were widows in, 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 in uh, Israel. Certainly there were widows. But I didn't send you to any of them. I sent you to a Gentile widow. Which shows us that God accepted Gentiles way before the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. He, he accepted Gentiles way before Peter got a vision to rise and kill and eat. Gentiles were already receiving the grace of God. And so he tells him, go be sustained by a widow. So he's rejected by a Jewish king, but he's welcomed by a Gentile widow. Mm. And so God provides in weird ways. We, you never know how 
the Lord is going to provide. I'll never forget, I went with uh, Pastor E, uh, my spiritual pops, to Canada. I was going to support him and make sure he was taken care of and he had to preach. And so there's a point as an assistant, you know when it's your time to exit. When, when pastors start getting around each other, he was with his pastor friends, and when they start calling each other Doc, yo, Doc, you remember that, Doc? Doc, you remember that? That's when it's my time to exit because he's talking with his people. So he was talking with, his, with pastor friends. I went and sat at a table to eat lunch with a group of guys I did not know. I didn't know any of them. But I began to share uh, my heart for Brooklyn, begin to cast vision. Just I wasn't raised support. I just was talking to these guys having lunch. And a guy stops me, no lie. He stops me and says, hey, 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 man, I'm your money guy. Talk to me. Now, hold on. Listen to me. Okay, listen to me. As a church planter, when you hear somebody say, I'm your money guy, it's golden right there. That's when the Lord is moving. And I got a Pentecostal background. So I almost spoke in tongues. I did. I almost spoke in tongues. Because he became, I, even when I called him to make sure we set up everything for the support, he says, hey, man, he picks up, hey, I, I want to put uh, boots on the ground in Brooklyn. I've never met this guy before in my life. But he begins to automatically send checks. And some of you want to speak in tongues right now as well. But we're going to have order in here. Amen, amen. But God provides in, just, he provides in ways that we just can't expect. How many of you watch the Super Bowl? Super Bowl. So there's three types of people that watch the Super Bowl. The first person that watches the Super Bowl is that crazy dude, right, that's yelling at the the TV. He usually goes to the games during the season with shorts on and below 18 degree weather with no shirt. He's painted all up. We think you're crazy if that's you, if you're in here. We think that person is crazy and he's normally single. (laughs) He's normally single. Normally, he, he lives with his mother. That's the guy. But that's the first type of person. If that's you, I'm just, I bet you I'm spot on though. The second type of person, the second type of person that watches Super Bowl is, is somebody like me that just enjoys football. We, I'm not into the stats. I don't know high school stats. I don't know what high school these guys went to. I just enjoy watching football. And so I watch the Super Bowl. And many of you are in that place. The third type is normally females. The third type doesn't care anything about football. But they'll watch the Super Bowl for two reasons, right? They'll watch the Super Bowl for the halftime show and what else? For the commercials. Absolutely. In 2003, Super Bowl 37, never forget it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the Raiders. It wasn't even a game. The Bucs smashed them, 48 to like 21 or something like that. Anyway, during that Super Bowl, FedEx put out a commercial. And on this commercial... The theme of the commercial was the, was the movie Castaway. Anybody remember that with Tom Hanks? Y'all remember that commercial? Cool, cool, a lot of people remember it. During that commercial, the commercial showed this guy, a FedEx employee, stranded on an island for five years, and he had a package. And he said, when I get off this island, I'm going to deliver this package to whoever it's for. He gets off the island, he goes to deliver the package to this lady's house, beard is nasty, hair is long, and the lady's like, oh, thank you, and she begins to close the door, and then he, he, he pushes the door open and says, wait, 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 I really need to know what's in that package. It's been with me for five years, I need to know, and she opens it up, and she's like, oh, I don't know, just some little stuff, just a satellite phone, GPS, water purifier, some seeds, and so everything that this man needed was in a package that he did not open. 
And so some of you, the Lord has called you to some stuff and you have a package from God and you're not opening it because he provides in ways that we don't know. You think that the, the prophet of Israel thought that he was going to be sustained by a Gentile widow in Zarephath? That wasn't even on his radar. But the Lord used it to provide for. The Lord used it. Verse number 10. Let's look at verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. Hold on. So she's already preparing provision before he even makes a request. He doesn't even make a request to her yet. And so some of you need to understand that provision normally starts before you even ask. The Lord is already getting the ball rolling. He's already got it rolling. And this is the same thing we see with, with Jacob and his family, right? Jacob and his family uh, go to Egypt to get food because of the famine. And who did the Lord prepare to provide for them? Their son, Joseph. And so provision for them didn't start when they asked for food. Provision started when Joseph was still in the pit. And that is how the Lord gets the ball rolling. Same thing with, with uh, the Jews and Haman in the book of Esther. The, the Lord prepared Esther to be in a place that she could protect and provide for her people. So the Lord prepares us, even with salvation. The Lord does this with salvation. We, we see the Ethiopian eunuch in need of salvation, and who does the Lord send? Philip. And so the Lord prepares provision for us even before we even ask. Let's keep reading. Verse number 10. Let's go back to the B part. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Verse 11. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Listen to what she says in verse 12. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple sticks. Couple sticks means two, so she's about to make a fire that I may go and prepare it for myself and for my son, that we may eat and die. So this is great because what the Lord is doing now is he shifts from working on Elisha's faith and he begins to work on this Gentile widow's faith. He, sh he completely shifts, completely shifts. And this is, shows us that she begins, the scripture shows us that she begins to complain or she begins to say what she doesn't have. And so she starts to look at her problem and not the provider. She starts to look at her circumstances. And that is so many of us in here right now. The Lord's called us to do some things for his glory. And we can't do it because we're looking at what we don't have. We're looking at our situation. And so many of you hold off on pursuing the calling because you don't see the provision. And a calling from the Lord, listen to this, a calling from the Lord always begins with a calling to more faith. He's calling her to have more faith. When the Lord called us to church plant in Brooklyn, I'm not even going to lie. I was like, huh? Two, it's two point, I was going to say 2.5, but the census just showed it went up. It's 2.6 million people that live in that borough. That one borough. Over 9 million people in, this, in all five boroughs. 9 million. When I got the call, I'm like, wait a second. That's too much. That's, that's too big. But the Lord normally calls us the stuff that's too big for us. Because if we can do it on our own, why do we need them? And so he calls you the stuff that you just don't have the strength, you don't have the wisdom, you don't have the tenacity. You can't do it on your own. And the Lord calls you to that stuff. And so she's now, the widow is now complaining. 
She's looking at her situation. But the crazy part is, this is the God that created everything. He sustained three million Israelites for 40 years in a, in a wilderness. 40 years he sustained three million people. Certainly he can sustain the calling that he's put on your life. Certainly he can sustain that. Let's keep going. Verse 13. Look at Elijah's response. This is great. Elijah says, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and for your son. And so what's happening is this woman, this widow is saying, I only have a little bit. I got a little bit of food. I got a little bit of flour and a little bit of water. In fact, this is our last meal. This is the last supper. We're about to eat this and then we're dying because we have nothing else. This is what the widow was saying. And all of, that, all of that she's saying, the prophet says, huh, okay, cool. Do what you said you were going to do, but first bring me the food. This is what the prophet says. He says, first bring me the food. And I want to say to you this. If you are going to truly walk by faith, you have to be prepared to feed people what you need yourself. If you're not, and we do this, man. We want God to give us stuff that we're not willing to give to somebody else. We want God to bless us with stuff, and we're not even willing to bless somebody else with it. But the prophet says, bring me the food. Bring me the food. We do this with our finances, too. Yeah, we do this with our finances. We say, man, Lord, I want you to, bl- I want you to bless my finances. Yeah, we ain't tithed. We ain't, we ain't gave no money to Malawi trip. We ain't support nobody else. We ain't help nobody else. But we want the Lord to bless us. And this is what we do. We are stingy but want provision. And Jesus, God didn't do this. When God provided salvation for us, John 3.16, the first thing he did was God so loved the world that he did what? 3.16, he gave his only son. And so provision doesn't start when you receive. Provision always starts when you give. That is when provision starts, not when you receive, but provision starts when you give. Have you ever prayed for somebody or ministered to somebody in the area that you were actually struggling with? You ever prayed for somebody that was depressed and you were actually depressed? Have you ever, now think about that. Have you ever prayed for somebody or ministered or talked to somebody in an area you're like, man, I'm struggling with this too. But that's why the Bible says, take heed unto yourself and unto your doctrine, continuing them both For in doing so, you'll save both yourself and them that hear thee. So we have to to think about this. We have to be prepared to minister and and help people in areas that we're actually struggling with. And honestly, if if you've never ministered or prayed to somebody in an area that you're struggling with, you're probably praying and ministering too low. Probably doing it too low. You need to up what you pray. Pray for stuff that you're actually struggling with. Let's keep going. Look what she says in, look what he says in, in verse 14. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. So she gets a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord means the prophet is now prophesying. He says, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Verse 15. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. Verse 16, the jar of flour was not spit, neither did the jug of oil 
become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. So basically, this woman, this widow, ate according to, if you go to chapter 18, verse 1, and Luke 4, where Jesus talks about this passage, you'll see that she ate for three years and six months. Because she ate until it rained. And it didn't rain for three years and six months. So she gave one meal away and ate for three years and six months. This ain't no prosperity message. I'm just telling you the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And so she eats while she's probably looking around and sees others dying off. The grace of the Lord is sustaining her because she gave and the Lord started providing for her. And so some of you, as I'm closing, I... You've been called to very specific stuff. Some of you are probably looking at your credit, like, I can't do this. Some of you have been called to open businesses. Some of you have been called to foreign missions, and you don't have the support needed. Some of you have it's something as simple as going back to school. You've been called to go back to school, right? How many know that that's a calling to go back to school? You've been called to go back to school. Now, trust me, I understand the financial situation around school. I mean, Sally May, she need, Sally May needs the gospel. <laughs> I'm just saying, she, I don't know what's wrong. She needs Jesus Christ to save her. So if y'all see her, share the gospel with Sally May. She'll stop calling. But yeah, yeah so, so, so the Lord provided for Elisha. But I, I'll say this, that the widow, she received because she was obedient to what the prophet said. And the scripture tells, this is the beautiful part, when you look at Hebrews chapter 1, the first, I mean, it opens with a bang. Hebrews says that in former days, right, the Lord spoke to us by prophets. He spoke to our fathers by prophets. But in these former days, in these days to come, he's speaking to us by his son. And so obedience for provision starts when you are submitted and obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth of the matter. God provided our greatest need, and our greatest need was salvation. And God gave provision and made a way for that. And so God comes down. He sends Jesus Christ. He comes down on earth, lives a perfect life. 33 years of perfection is put on our sin and shame. And now we stand before, the God, before God, and we don't, we don't say, well, I did this. I did this, I did this, and this day was a good day. I mean, even that he will crush because of his holiness. But we get to stand before God and point at Jesus and say he did it. He did it all. He's provided salvation for us. And so I just want to encourage you to trust the Lord that he provides. And many of you need more faith. You need to, you need to trust in God's provision right? Whatever he's calling you to do. I don't even know what he's calling you to do, but trust God in whatever it is, right? Let your, don't let your lack of provision stop you from trusting God. Trust him anyway. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for how you provide. Father, you provided for Elijah while he was at the brook at Careful with ravens, Thus, he's fulfilling Matthew 6, Lord, where, where you said, Did, do not I care? Aren't you more valuable than the birds of the air? And so, Father, we thank you so much for provision. We pray that you would stretch us more in our faith. Stretch us to believe you more. Father, we are in need not just of provision, but we're in need of believing you. That you're able to do 
and you can do it. And so, Father, we submit our lack of trust. We submit to you um, and repent of not believing that you're able, but you own all things, and you make ways. And so, Father, we love you, and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.